Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? Doing so well. Autumn continues to be an awesome spectacle with the colors shifting moment by moment, day by day, the palettes 
are astonishing in their complexity of shade upon shade of orange and russet and brown and red and uh, as my artist friend said oh look there's there's red red and red and red orange and orange red and orange yellow and red orange yellow and and yellow orange <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, so we've had a tiny bit of frost, tiny, tiny bit of frost, you know, so that even as I was walking it down to the other house at 10 o'clock in the shaded areas, there was still frost, but it hasn't really been, you know, like kill the poke frost. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Our poke right. has not been either. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Like, that's yep. really my signal for, okay, that's a frost, and the poke just goes all limp and falls all down. Wow, I love that, because, yeah, we even had, like, what they called our first snowfall, and the poke is still standing. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. And when yes, it's so hard enough just... frost, what happens to that poke? Well, now I'm going to be paying extra attention, but I'm imagining it's going to really, like, wilt and just kind of look like it's melting. And totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it turns into poke jello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So meanwhile, we're having, like, daytime temperatures in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Ellen, I keep meaning to ask you. Did you ask the Jardin to send me red shiso seeds? No, I did not. Okay. Did you get some? Well, they sent me a package with ten packages of red shiso seeds. And then they sent me another package with 10 more packages. I have enough red shiso seed now to cover Ulster County. Oh, my goodness. Wow. (laughs) They must have uh, known you like that red shiso or purple. Is it different than the purple? Purple, red, it's the same, yes. It's the the purple. I, I call it red for some reason, but, yes, it's purple. Nice. Okay, well, they know you like it, maybe, and you have plenty to share with your friends now. You can spread seeds everywhere. I <laughs> certainly can. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's like trying to figure it out. It says, uh, it says uh, oh, okay, it, it calls it red. That's why I'm calling it red. It says red on the, on the thing. But, of course, we call it purple. Right. Right. Wow. Well, how fun. <laughs> how very fun. So we'll see what happens next year under the purple shiso bush. Mm. <laughs> so what have you been doing? What's up with you? Oh, well, last weekend um, I got together with my neighbor and she brought a couple friends and we uh, made some remedies with pine. Um and that was really fun. Yeah, did some tree medicine making, and I made an oxymel. Um, I just, I really, I had a Douglas fir oxymel that I really enjoyed. It was so helpful for, like, cold and flu season. And um, 
So I made a, a pine ox smell. I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. White pine. And um, yes, white pine. Mm-hmm. Oh, white pine, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm s- thrilled to hear that. Mm-hmm. And so especially welcome. thrilled that a little group of you got together and did that. How perfect. It was so sweet, and I made a little. I had never had pine tea before, but we have. It, it, each time we've gotten together this summer, we've had some type of a beverage of the plant we were working with, um, except for the Saint. Well, actually, I did the Saint Jones one by myself, so that's why that didn't count. And I didn't have a Saint Jones beverage with that. But um, mm-hmm. right, right, we don't want to do that. Yeah, so we had some yeah. pine tea, and it was so delightful. It was. Subtly sweet. Um, I was thinking it was going to be bitter. It was not bitter at all. Um, it was just—it was really delightful. And it was actually—we um, had thought we were going to go out for a Halloween party in the evening, and I just was so chill. I did not want to go anywhere, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so, thank you, White Pine. It's so interesting to um, bring the plants inside and to see what happens when you bring them inside. Some of them go, thank goodness, you know, it's really getting cold out there. And others go, you must be kidding, where's the sunlight? (laughs) And then there's always, you know, like last year, we had the great tomato escapade. Well, this year, what's sprouting in the planters is morning glory seeds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. That's like maybe twenty morning glory seeds sprouted in here. So maybe I'm gonna pick them out. They're just, you know, cotty leaves instead of even have a true true leaf. And pop them up and grow morning glories all over inside this winter. Won't that be fun? Oh, that'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are always being gifted when we play with the plants. Oh, yeah, blessed be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the w- woman who is going to be here with us tonight certainly is a gift. She works with the dolphins. And. Linda Shea is actually a dolphin ambassador for Joyful Living. She's a pioneer in the field of dolphin energy healing, and she's the founder of Dolphin Heart World. I don't think I have to do more than that to get you interested to stay with us until 9 o'clock and listen to what's going on in Dolphin Heart World Healing, or come on back and join us in. That's 9 o'clock East Coast time. So, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, look and see if there are any questions to answer? Oh, uh, no, thanks. I think I'm good. And we've got some hands raised in the queue, so I don't want to take any more time from the callers with questions. All right. Let's go for it, then. All right. So we've got three callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. 
And our first caller is dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm so glad to hear your voice again. Yes. Uh, Because, of course, the goddess is always so helpful. And she sent my way a new study showing that um, high blood pressure that is resistant to treatment is generally tied to disrupted gut flora. How's that that for a new idea? Um, In reference to what problem? High blood pressure. Oh. High blood pressure that is resistant to treatment. Mm -hmm. They found was usually caused by disrupted gut flora. Gut flora disrupted. And what can I do about that? Well, I always say that there are two parts to improving your gut flora. One, stop killing what's there. And two, keep replenishing. Mm -hmm. So when I ask people what things kill gut flora, they usually say antibiotics. And that's probably true. On the other hand, antibiotics are so ubiquitous in the water supply and the environment because they do not um, biodegrade, they don't compost. So every gram of antibiotic that we've ever made or that anyone has ever taken is in the water and in the environment. So we're consuming them all the time. Certainly take less antibiotics, you know, use your herbs instead, but I don't worry as much about that as I do about the ubiquitous food preservatives. And food preservatives are in foods in order to uh-huh, kill the microorganisms, which is what makes up your gut flora. So here it is, apple time. We just went down into the apple-growing area and bought a 1,000 pounds of apples. And we drove those apples home, and we are throwing them into the cider press and making, well, right now it's apple juice, but after four or five days, it'll be apple cider or apple beer. (laughs) And um, apple butter and applesauce. And all kinds of things from unwashed apples. And those unwashed apples have all kinds of bacteria and molds and fungal spores on them that I want in my gut. They may very well have some uh, pesticide residue. They wouldn't have herbicide residue because the herbicide is usually sprayed on the herbs on the ground. They could have some pesticide residue. But so far as I know, farmers generally don't spray things. They can be washed off with water. 
And since most of the farmers I know are not really wealthy, they use as little as they can get away with. So again, I'm not really worried about it. I'm more concerned about getting the bacteria from my environment into my gut. Because when we did the microbiome project, that's pretty much what we saw, is that people's gut flora has become divorced from their environment. And that's especially true when it comes to soil microorganisms. You know, I talk about how you can't get any nourishment from raw food, and that every class I teach here at the Wise Women's Center, I have the students go out and pick herbs for salad. And you think, what? My goodness, girl. Would you like, get yourself together? Here you are telling them not to eat raw food, and now you're having them go out and pick, like, raw food and put it put it on their plates and, and eat it. And I, I talk about this, and I say a couple of things about that. First of all, I encourage you to take your salad last because you'll get the least nutrition from it. So fill up on the good food first and salad last. I said, in addition, put some oil on it because that actually cooks it. I said, but the truth of the matter is I'm not serving you salad because I think you'll get any nutrition from it. I'm serving you salad because it's unwashed and you're going to get soil bacteria and that's really what I'm feeding you. Now, you don't have to make a whole salad of it. Many times, if you simply go outside and pick an edible leaf every day and eat it, you will pretty quickly, usually within about 10 days, be able to alter your microbiome. So, I'm not too concerned about avoiding things, except for food preservatives, which are pretty easy to avoid, and essential oils, which are antimicrobial, and so they destroy gut flora. So those are the two things to avoid or watch out for. And the main thing to try to get is to encourage more local soil bacteria in your gut. I'm, I'm going to assume that you're already eating some yogurt, some sauerkraut, all of the usual sus- suspects for fermented food, that you're eating some miso, that you might be drinking some beer. Beer is a wonderful fermented food. After all, it's based on hops, which is an herb. Um, and barley, which is, you know, basically also a plant, right? So I'm going to assume that you're doing those things to help provide, you know, gut flora, which we need to provide on a daily basis. It's kind of like breathing. It's not like, oh, I have enough breaths for today. I'll just rest until tomorrow. No, we just have to keep breathing. And the same thing with our gut flora. We just have to keep feeding it and keep putting stuff in there. <laughs> Does this make any sense to you? Um, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't take antibiotics on principle, and uh, I don't... Um, Uh, I don't eat uh, canned food. Canned food doesn't have any preservatives in it. 
Really? Neither canned nor frozen food has preservatives. So how is it canned if it doesn't have preservatives? Heat. It's heated. Hmm. Anyway, I don't need it. No, so, uh, you know, a fair amount of produce has been sprayed with fungicides, which is a preservative. Hmm. So you're more likely to find certain kinds of preservatives in the produce than when you buy the raw produce than you would in canned or frozen things. Where the preservatives come in is apple cider. Why am I pressing my own apple cider? Because they made it illegal in New York State to sell me unfiltered, unpasteurized, unpreserved apple cider, which is what I'm pressing, right? All apple cider sold in New York State has to be pasteurized and or preserved with one-tenth of one percent of sodium, um, potassium something. It's right there on the jug of cider. Toothpaste has preservatives in it. I don't use that. Good for you. So these are the places where the preservatives come into people's lives, where you might, you know, not necessarily see it coming. And, of course, the essential oil thing can be difficult to avoid at times. I put, I, I, uh, I uh, live with olive oil and not oil and good oils. Yes. No, the essential oils are in uh, health care products, you know, like shampoos and soaps and all, the, you know, all those nice handmade soaps. The vast majority of them can have some essential oils in them. Is that the reason that my head, my skull is itchy? I asked you once what to do about it, and you told me witch hazel, and uh, it helps only when I put it on. The moment it dries, I am itching. <laughs> my skull is... Oh, I'm so sorry. Plantain leaf is also a good anti-itch agent. Which one? Plantain. I don't... I, I didn't get the spelling of it, no. Plan, like, did you make a plan? Tain, like train without the R. Plantain. Some people get confused, plantain confused with the banana plantain. But we're not talking about the plantain banana, that's plantago. And the herb, plantago. The plantain, the broadleaf plantain that grows in lawns and is virtually an evergreen in our areas. You can always find it. And you can chew it up and use it as a spitball dish, or you can gather some leaves, chop them up, and pour your good olive oil over it and let it sit for a while. It's, it gets better and better for at least six weeks. Uh, but you can start using it anytime you want to and just rub a little, you know, between your palms and then into your scalp. Um, I, I can't produce it myself, but is it the place I can buy it? I don't know. Anywhere you buy this, this kind of stuff. I'm sure you can produce it yourself, but if you don't want to, that's okay. Yes, I don't know. 
I can't Planting grows outside everyone's door. I know it grows where you live. I understand. I, I have seen I lots of it there. I can't bend over downwards. And there's no one there who can do it for you? Uh, no. Yes, there is. You told no, me hospice comes there. What? Doesn't someone from hospice come to you? Oh, they come with a long agenda of what they cannot do. Uh, they come <laughs> One thing you know, If you uh, told them that you had a special favor that you want them to pick a leaf for you, you think they would say no? Um, meanwhile, I don't know how to spell the name of this leaf. Plancane, P-L-A-N-C-A-N-E. Cane, like terrain without the R. Terrain? Train. Choo-choo. Chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga. Train. Train, but no R. So rain? Rain. Like the word. P-A-I-N. Train without the R. Okay. Rain. Cane? Can you spell... Train. Rain, I know. R A. Can you spell? Can you spell train for me, please? T R A I N. Thank you. Can you spell it without the R, please? That's what I just did. R A I. No, without the R. Without what? Without the R. Take the R out of train, and what do you have oh, left? Okay, T A I N. Bingo! Woo! Sorry. Plantain. Plantain? Plantain. 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 It's one word, plantain. Okay. Lilies that kind of look like a goat's ear. They're kind of oval, longer than they are wide, and they have five veins that run parallel up the leaf, and they're flat on the ground. If you look down on it, it looks like a mandala. It likes to grow right along the edges of roads and where people walk. One of its nicknames is White Man's Foot. Because it grows where people walk, because the seeds are mucilaginous and stick to the soles of shoes. Plantain, our friend. All right, I have one more question, and that is, um, I lit a candle and I prayed to separate from other people's pain, and it doesn't work. I told you it wouldn't work. No, I... It can't work for you to ask someone else. It's not someone else's decision. It's your decision. All right, I decided and I prayed for it. I mean, if no, I prayed. No, praying is not effective. 
you must make a choice. Either you want to continue on accepting other people's pain, which will kill you, or you don't. It's your choice. There is no one to pray to. So, uh, I... No, it's on you. Not some other beings, not some other entity, not some other energy. You. I don't want to take it on, for God's sake. Then, Then you decide to stop it. You don't have to ask permission to stop You simply do it. The same way if you're driving your car and you come to a stop sign, you put on the brake. You don't pray for the brake to come on. Sometimes you have to. We just had somebody ruin the house. No, you don't pray. You put your foot on the brake. Yeah. Yes. If it works. That's right. You have to take, you have to take the action. You simply stop doing it. It's not. Easy. I'm not saying, oh, piece of cake. It's kind of like, you know, giving up coffee or giving up cigarettes. You'll want it. Yes, I want it. And you'll Very much. Say, and you'll have to say to yourself, look, I want it. I hear you. Part of me that wants it. Too, too bad. We're not doing that anymore. Here's what we're doing instead. What can you give yourself? It's okay, especially when we're doing something like this, to figure out what's really pleasing to us and have a whole host of pleasing things that we can do instead of that thing. Yeah, I want to sing, and I want to play the piano, and following up, uh, we'll see what I can do with that, but that's what I want to do. But what I mean is not something in the future. I mean something immediately. Yes. I mean no. the very next time that you find yourself thinking or saying or imagining or envisioning that you are taking on someone else's pain. No, I'm I want, not envisioning. I want you to stop right then. I guess a pain and do something else. Envision. If it's sing a song, that's good. But you have to parent yourself away from this behavior which is killing you. And again, you don't have to do this. You can say, it's okay. I'm done with this life. We'll do another life. I don't want to do it. Then, then parent yourself to stop it's not a matter of asking, pleading, praying, begging, any of that. It's a matter of standing up and saying, that's it. I've had it. I quit. And knowing, knowing how hard that is and being caring with yourself. You find yourself being pulled toward it. You're not mean to yourself that you're pulled toward it. You say, yeah, that's, that's my pull. Here's what we have instead. It's a song. It's a piano. It's listening to a YouTube of somebody singing. It's listening to, you know, a record. It's whatever you can give yourself in that moment when you are tempted to take on someone else's pain. I want you to uh, give it to yourself. I am aware of it. I just get up. Yes, I understand. You must become aware of it. I am aware of it because it hurts and I can't move. Then you, and right then you say, that's it. 
I stop. I'm not doing this. I'm not taking it on. No. Instead, I'm singing a song. Instead, I'm listening to this. Whatever your instead is. So you're talking about replacement. Yes. For now. Because you'll be very tempted. Again, it's I want to really acknowledge the gift that you have made by doing this work. It's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's not that there's anything wrong with being empathic or taking on people's pain. But what we're seeing right now is that it's not good for you right now. And that you're making a choice to say, okay, this this has to stop now. Stopping something doesn't mean that it was wrong in the past or that it's bad or that you were bad. It means that right now it's not going to be happening. So, yes, there's a certain replacement, but it's a replacement because you are replacing it, aren't you? I mean, it's not like, oh, you know, we'll just kind of replace this, but we'll come back to it. No. No, this is this is what you're choosing rather than that. And when we make that kind of choice, like I said last week, it's like a switch. It's like off, on. But it also is kind of like menarche and menopause. It kind of can kind of go back and forth. And you have to really say, this is the direction we're going in. This is what's happening, right? This may have happened right now. I may have taken on this pain. That's okay. That doesn't mean I'm stuck. It doesn't mean my prayer wasn't answered. It doesn't mean that my choice is wrong. It means that happened right now. But I have ways to deal with this, and I have my choice. I see throughout my life that when I've actually made a choice, it's had such enormous repercussions, you know? When my daughter's dad came back to live with me, I said to him that I had found in his absence that I enjoyed time alone. And that I had arranged to continue to have time alone um, because I had a friend who lived both in New York City and Woodstock. And she agreed to let me stay at her house for three or four days of the week in Woodstock when she was in New York City. And so I told him that I would be happy to let him be alone and I could take our daughter or he could be with our daughter and I could be alone whatever way he wanted it but about half the week I was going to be living elsewhere and he looked at me and he said well who's going to cook for me I said well I don't know maybe you'll have to figure out how to cook for yourself he says who's going to do my laundry for me I said gee I really don't know he says who's going to pick up my dirty clothes I said I don't know he says you're a wife that's what you're supposed to do I said oh my gosh I said wow that's really clear I resign as wife and you know that has that has carried me through every day of my life in such a nourishing way to know I resigned as the wife. I say no to being the wife. I did that a long time ago. Yeah. Mm, I'm. I have. 
I think that taking on people's pain is being a wife to them. I think, in fact, that's one of the big things that wives do is they take on other people's pain. Dirty laundry. There it is right there, isn't it? Who washes it, dries it, folds it, and puts it back in my drawer for me? So if you really say no to it, say no to it. No to it. And be kind to yourself as you move into this new image of yourself. It's very new. And it will feel unfamiliar. What's that apocryphal, uh, is it a Feldenkrais story about him straightening up the little girl with scoliosis and she says, oh, mommy, he's made me all crooked. Am I by myself? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay, good. I couldn't hear anything at all. I'm listening. Is that a Feldenkrais story? About the little girl who, upon being uh, having her spine straightened, said that she felt all crooked? Or is that an Alexander story? I I didn't hear it, but really... there was a little girl who had scoliosis. Yeah, yeah, I did not hear it in a Feldenkrais context. Not the okay. So it's probably an Alexander story then. But uh-huh. I but I I think it, that it's a, a you know I said apocryphal, but I think it's probably true. You know, because that's what happens to us, right? When we we say we want to make that change, but then when we make the change, we say, oh oh, this can't be right. I feel all wrong. Right? <laughs> and we do. We do feel all wrong. And that's what I'm saying is be tender with yourself as you feel all wrong. It's okay. I don't know. I don't feel wrong wanting to be separate. I I grew up around people We're not who talking are... about wanting. We're talking about doing. I understand that you're very comfortable wanting it, but you're totally uncomfortable doing it. Oh, I'm not aware that I am uncomfortable doing it. I'm aware that I am comfortable that I am doing it. Okay, (laughs) so you're not taking on anybody else's pain right now. You just said that you prayed and your prayers weren't answered. Did I get that all wrong? Yeah. I, 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 I... uh, maybe I said prayer because I pray for other people and it works for them, but I did what you told me to do. I wrote it down, I lit the candle, and I did what you told me to do. All right. Of course, you know, I said it, uh, you can and say... What did you think? what did you think would happen? Uh, that I will stop uh, taking on me other people's pains. How does that happen? 
It's not like some person outside you makes it happen. You will continue to want to take on people's pains, and you have to stop over and over and over again. You have to make the choice to say no, and then you have to keep saying no. Because you've made a choice to say yes, and you've been saying yes all this time. And again, it's okay to keep saying yes, but you don't want to. That's what I hear very clearly from you is that right now you want to say no. And yeah. so that's what, all, that's what I'm saying is it's a good say no and keep saying no. It's not like that behavior is going to go away, right? When we, like, get ourselves right nicely situated with a self-inglized floor exercise, we never have to do it again. No, we have to do it again next week, right? Okay, so I'll say no. Because, because well, we already misused ourselves. Like some people within five minutes of getting up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might getting up off the floor. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it in all of its manifestations. <laughs> all right. Okay. Person. Yes, keep doing it. Do it and keep doing it. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Okay. Good night. Three blessings. Good night. All right. It looks like we have two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. Remind everyone listening to raise a hand and have a question posted to Susan tonight. You do need to press one so we can see your hand in the queue. And there are three hands that are raised. The next one is from the 410. So from the 410, you are back with Susan. Hello. Good evening. Hi. What's um, up? This is this is Sandy. I've called you before. Um, uh-huh. My mother had ovarian cancer. She died about six weeks ago. Her name was Hermione. One time you asked me her name. Yes, um, I did. So what's happening is like my gynecologist is really pushing for me to have out my ovaries. My mother was ovarian cancer does not start in the ovaries. You know that I okay. had colorectal cancer cancer and endometrial cancer, and that I had surgery, extensive surgery, and they left my ovaries. Right. So where does it start? In the fallopian tubes. Oh, the fallopian tubes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let me, yeah. ask, let me ask you this. Compared to your mother, how's your diet? Um, pretty good. I mean, I guess but- when I was younger... You know, there were times it wasn't so good, but it's getting better. We're not talking about younger. We're talking about right now. Okay, right now I'm trying to really stop eating sugar. Um, you know, I, I... Okay, I think that's kind of pointless, but okay. I mean, oh, I really? certainly have no objection to people you know, doing things. But every, everything you eat, your body turns into glucose, which is sugar, right? Uh-huh. So to cut down on... Your consumption of refined carbohydrates is certainly a good idea, right? Okay, yeah. 
I guess right. that's what I mean, refined white sugar. I mean, refined I... carbohydrates, right. So where are you getting the sugar that you're, that you're not eating anymore? Where were you getting it? Oh, like I'm a little addicted to it. I would buy a bag of Oreos and eat half the bag. Okay, so are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Yes, I am. Okay. And And you've been drinking nourishing herbal infusions for how long now? Oh, I don't know, maybe like eight years, something like that. But I do not drink a quart a day. I drink like maybe a cup or two a day. You really need to drink a quart a day. Do you use a scale and weigh out a full ounce of herb? I do. Okay, good. So I need to drink the whole well, quart. Well, up to a full quart a day because here's what goes on. Minerals come with sweet. In nature, the mineral-rich things are sweet. Uh-huh. So when we are lacking minerals, we crave sweets. When we okay. try to supply our body's need for sweet with refined sweets, it's not as good as if we were to use honey or maple syrup. Now, certainly replacing, uh-huh. you know, if you're using a lot of white sugar and you just replace it with honey or maple syrup, it's still too much sweetener in your diet, but at least you're getting some minerals. But what uh-huh. happens is from for most people, twofold. First of all, they've bought this lie that they need to drink water. Mm-hmm. And I've started calling water the great demineralizer. Think of every sip of water as something that is leaching the minerals out of your bones and out of your body. Uh-huh. The more water you drink, the more sweets you're going to crave. Uh-huh. So this is why you want to drink nourishing herbal infusion, which is mineral-rich. Okay. So when you drink nourishing herbal infusions, you are so mineralized that you can't eat even an entire Oreo. <laughs> My sweetheart was at a party, and he brought me back a brownie. I love chocolate. He brought me back a brownie uh-huh. from the party. It was so great. And I took a big bite of it, and I spit it out because it had an Oreo in it. Oh. Uh-huh. And it tasted so sweet and so chemically, and it was just vile. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's, well, not that, it's not that I don't like sweets, you know. I like cookies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, one at a time, maybe two at a time if they're small. Mm-hmm. You know, there was ice cream at the party the other night. I had a couple of tablespoons. I like it. It tastes good. But I don't need to eat a whole lot of it because there's a lot of minerals in my body. Uh huh. Okay. So I. I need and I've to seen this happen with thousands of people. What? I've seen this happen with thousands of people, that when they start drinking a quart of infusion a day and eating cooked food, they stop craving sugar, that kind of sugar, the refined mm-hmm. sugar. Okay. So cooked food, um, you're probably eating quite a few servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I do. I eat, um, well, you know, I don't actually eat that much. I'm not like that hungry, but um, you know, I, I usually eat an apple every day. And, um, a raw apple? Yeah, raw apple. You're minus a piece of paper with the word apple on it. You're getting nothing from uh, it. There's okay. no nutrition, no value to raw food, none. Okay. 
This is also why you're craving sugar. Because what are you eating? A raw apple? Mm-hmm. No. Applesauce? Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh. Dried okay, apples? Well. Okay, no problem. Uh-huh. We're making fermented apple juice. Right? Uh-huh. But yeah. I, I, I just bought a thousand pounds of apples. I'm not eating them raw. Okay. I cut up 30 pounds of them and cooked them into apple butter and applesauce, and I'm going to do that again. And we ground up about, you know, 100 pounds of them into apple cider. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I do make applesauce. Good. Without mm-hmm. any sweetener. No sweetener. Good. Excellent. Right. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon, good. Cinnamon's great if you want cinnamon in it, but it certainly doesn't need any sweetener. And so, are you eating cooked greens? Um, sometimes I eat broccoli. Um, mm-hmm. I often put in arugula into a wrap, but it's not cooked. Right, so but it's not cooked. Better. Can you cook so, arugula? I would like to see you eating at least half a cup a day of cooked kale, collards, Beet greens, Swiss chard, turnip greens, spinach. Mm-hmm. What about um, cabbage? Yes. I know cabbage is not very green. That's It's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. However, your greens need to be cooked for a minimum of one hour. Uh-huh. Okay. Because minerals are slow. Think Uh about it, right? Heavy metals, minerals, gold and silver and copper and lead. Minerals are heavy and slow and they're bound to the plants. And so when you cook a plant briefly, all the minerals are still in the plant and your body can't get to them. But when you cook the plant for an hour, the minerals finally get mobilized and they Mm -hmm. start to come out of the plant and they become available to you parents look at me and go I cannot believe my child is coming back for seconds of collards I can't get that child to ever eat cooked greens and I said that's because you don't cook them Uh uh-huh so are the minerals in the water who said anything about swimming lessons oh so you don't use much water I use an inch of water. Uh Uh-huh. Is there some reason for using a lot of water? No. I use a little bit of water, but I always have water left over. Oh, because maybe I didn't cook it long enough. You didn't cook it long enough, exactly. The water gets cooked out. Yes. Okay, okay, got it. Yes, you're on the right track. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any vegetables that we eat that we don't cook for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. And some of them more than that. Uh-huh. Okay, well, we'll start baking the apples. Those are really good. That's a really good idea. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, we had some baked apples. That's what we had, along with the ice cream at the party. And I definitely had a baked apple. Mm-mm, that was good. Mm-hmm. She, said, she said, ingredients, apple. Right. We all feared right. ingredients, apple. That, she said, that's it. I didn't do anything but take the seeds out of them and throw them in the oven. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So I think that if you will, you know, really commit yourself to drinking a quart of infusion, and if you want to have coffee or tea or hot chocolate, that's all good. Those are great antioxidant herbs. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, cut back or eliminate water. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the, the other kinds of things that people drink, like soda pop and fruit juice and things like that, rare treat, right? I, I don't drink any of that. Yeah, rare treat. Good. Right. So right. Make, it, make it your nourishing herbal infusion. Make that your drink. Yeah. Make it okay. accessible to yourself in the refrigerator so it's really easy to get to. When you're thirsty and you open that refrigerator, bam, there's the infusion right there. I often mm-hmm. will pour it into a glass so that when I open the refrigerator, I just have to stick my hand in there, pick up the glass and drink it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I okay. really make it easy for myself because I know what a sloth I can be sometimes. Uh-huh. Okay. Like, oh, I have to open a lid to get to the infusion. That's too hard. <laughs> What? <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. We've all been there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what if I drink a quart a day? So I'm trying to eat, drink two quarts of why? liquid a day. Why are you because, trying to drink? Why are you trying to drink oh, two I, quarts? I had a kidney stones. I had kidney stones, and that was the recommendation from a urologist. Was to drink more fluids. Yeah. How often are you peeing? Um. I don't know, every hour or so, maybe. Too much. That's all, That's your bones going right down the toilet. Oh, uh-huh. A healthy human being pees every three hours. Every three hours. And should the pee be yellow or like... It yeah. certainly should. There should be some color. Uh-huh. And okay. I understand that you had some kidney stones and their idea is like flush all the minerals out of your body, and then give you mineral supplements. But I don't think that way. Yeah, well, I don't take any supplements. but um, So I'd rather see you, you know, if you're concerned about kidney stones. Stinging nettle is renowned for helping to prevent kidney stones. Uh-huh. So, so I some things I I'm think trying that, to do... That drinking your nourishing herbal infusion. So let's say you have a quart of nourishing herbal infusion. Do you drink any tea, green tea or black tea? I drink green tea. Well, so you drink a quart of infusion. You can have a couple of cups of green tea. And if you want a, a cup of coffee or a, uh-huh. something else, there's your two quarts, right? Uh-huh. A, say a bowl of right. soup. You have a bowl of soup, oh, yeah. cup, cup of green tea, quart of infusion, uh-huh. there it is. Uh-huh. Okay, so I I've been trying to. I hear that you should drink two quarts of water a day. Was made up by an advertising executive. Uh huh. Yeah, and I'm not very big. I mean, like I weigh 110 pounds, so I guess that's a lot of water. There's no scientific basis to the idea that humans should drink two quarts of fluid a day. None. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So. In most situations, you are safe letting your thirst be your guide rather than carrying water around with you. One of the reasons that I don't like to drink wine is that drinking wine makes you drink more wine because I take a sip of wine and then my mouth feels bad. And so I take another sip of wine because my mouth feels bad. But then my mouth feels worse, so I take another sip of wine because my mouth feels worse. And it's just 
right? And drinking water is actually like that too because it actually does dehydrate you. And so the more water you drink, the more you carry it around and drink it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I have a question about the ovary. Like my doctor said, it's really not producing much anymore because it's probably shriveled up. So oh, shit. Like almost... I was 75 years old when they operated on me, and the surgeon said they were the most beautiful, healthiest, pinkest ovaries she'd ever seen in her life. Oh, wow. Okay. Tell that doctor to take that antiquated view and put it someplace where the sun never shines. (laughs) Okay. Okay, well, I guess it's, there's just a lot of fear after, after I someone I completely died. understand. Oh. And what I'm saying is you are not your mother. Uh-huh, right. Ovarian cancer is not that strongly hereditary. It's not like your mother had it, your risk is now 90%. Like your risk might have gone mm-hmm. up 1% because of your mother. Right. And she what? didn't get it till she was 85. Hello? So good, you know? Say to them, good, I'll have surgery when I'm 84. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So what do you think about this? Um, a CAT scan, when I had the kidney stones, it showed that the lining of my uterus is a little thicker than it's supposed to be, and there was some fluid. Mm-hmm. So she's suggesting a... Have you had an endometrial biopsy? No, but she's suggesting that would, uh, oh, that that would I need to get cancer. a uh-huh. Okay, she was I saying get a do BNC. anything surgically until I actually find out what's going on. Oh, okay. So just get an endometrial biopsy. Yes, it's not the most pleasant procedure in the world, but it's quite doable. I had them every okay. six months to gauge okay. my progress uh, working with the herbs. Uh-huh. So then if I did that, I wouldn't really need an ultrasound because um, it doesn't really need to see. Well, they preferred, they were happy that I preferred the biopsies because they said, really, you can't tell that much on an ultrasound. It's just kind of a guess. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. The most important thing, I think, for any of us who are in the modern medical system to remember is the recommendations that the doctors are making are not recommendations based on what is best for you. Mm-hmm. They are recommendations based on what is best for them. Mm-hmm. What will be the best in terms of covering their butt for insurance? What is the most conservative possible treatment? In other words, if something happens once in 10,000 times, we're going to treat all 10,000 people as though it were going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps you're a person who wants zero risk in your life. Uh-huh. But I don't take you for that person. Yeah. Now, I told the surgeons, I said, look, I'm a person who really likes risk. 
Uh-huh. I seek out risk in my life. I like risk. If when you're operating on me, you think, shall we do the conservative thing or the risky thing? You do the risky thing because that's what I want. Uh-huh. Right? So I was willing to engage in risky behavior because I'm right there. It's not uh-huh. like I'm hiding from it or pretending it isn't happening or doing woo-woo or coffee enemas, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm in touch with my body. I'm taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm eating well. I, you know, ha- am, have good relationships. I move my body in pleasant ways. Uh-huh. Right? And m- many of our parents didn't have as much of that in their lives as we've chosen to put in our lives. Uh-huh. Right? Well... That's for sure. So you can't pretend that you're the same as your mom. Mm-hmm. Not only that, and again, I don't know you very well, so I, this is really a, a wild guess. Most of the people that I talk to are not your average American. Uh-huh. Well, I am definitely not average. is set up to take care of your average American who is eating a standard American diet mm-hmm. and who is unhappy and stressed. Mm-hmm. If you are not that standard American, then the standard treatment not only can't help you, it could really harm you. Uh-huh. And very helpful. Good. And again, you don't ever have to say to them no. You can always say to them later. Uh-huh. I need to well, think I've been about doing that. that for a while. I've been doing that for a while. You can still do it uh-huh. longer. I'm still I mean, thinking about she it. She doesn't, like, she's not really obnoxious about it, you know. Good. She just thinks I should do it, but she doesn't push me. Good. I'm glad. That yeah. sounds... That sounds very respectful. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. No, the um, the gynecological um, oncologist um, that I was paired with at Memorial Sloan Kettering had her uterus and ovaries removed because her mom had ovarian cancer, didn't even die of it, survived it. Oh. But she elected, she, she looked at me and she said, you're not going to have your uterus and ovaries removed and you have endometrial cancer. And I said, no. She said, I had mine removed and I didn't even have cancer. Oh, gosh. See, there's a person mm-hmm. who doesn't want to take any risks. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. That's why there's all these different choices because we're all different people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Bye. All right. And there are three callers with their hands raised. Next caller dialed in from the 613 area code. From the 613, you are live. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Susan. Good evening. Um, um, I was the one who called you like two months ago regarding... Um, Dental implant. Say again. 
Yeah, I was the one who called you like two months yes. ago regarding uh, my surgery for dental implant. A dental implant, yes. Yes, yeah. So uh, I had to do this like a sinus lift and then the um, bone graft. Yes. So I followed what you have told me, like, you know, after the surgery, like two hours. So um, I was uh, I was surprised because uh, when I was, like, using this um, yarrow, mm-hmm. so um, it wasn't that painful at all, the surgery and the combination of using yarrow itself. Like, because I, I remember just using uh, two costs, like, you know, I had to change right after the surgery, an hour after, because I've been, like, um, spraying yarrow um, every hour. So I ended up, like, not taking all those <laughs> medication except for the antibiotic because my face was swollen, really. Like, I could not recognize my face. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was so scared I had to, like, take that antibiotic. But um, I didn't take those anti-inflammatory drugs, pain medication. And then there's another one that the doctor gave me, the codeine, probably. Oh, codeine, oh, that's addictive pain medication. Yeah, but then uh, I didn't. Those three medication, I, I, I didn't take it, and... Because I just ended up like uh, drinking um, Linden, the one you told me, like um, a quarter a day, and then every hour I spray uh, using that ERO. So the bleeding actually just stopped, like amazing. Like I said, it wasn't painful at all. Like you know, I I said it was a really good experience. I was so scared at the beginning. But uh, because of those yarrow and, and the linden I was, like, drinking, it really helped a lot. I am so thrilled that you have called in and shared all this with us. This, for me, is what people's medicine is about. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be, you're not being a doctor. You know, the doctor did the doctor things. Hooray that there's doctors to do the doctor things. But look at how well you were able to take care of yourself and how much less drugs you were able to take by using a few simple herbs. Yeah, and then I remember, like, before the surgery, um, the, the uh, how do you call that, before my surgeon, I, I talked to my surgeon as well. Um, the one who put the anesthesia, anesthesiologist, because I asked how painful this surgery would be. Like, I know it's invasive, right? So, uh-huh. Well, it's uh-huh. cool. Like, um, okay, because I'm trying to to pay myself. <laughs> and uh-huh. then, um, painful. Like, but then after that, I was like, it wasn't painful at all. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. And I didn't tell my doctor that I, well, I just wasted my money, but then I didn't take your you know, the prescription that um, I was given. So mm-hmm. after two weeks, he, uh, he, he actually asked me to, to see him. And then he said it looked really, really good because um, uh, it's actually healing so fast, so well. And then after that, like two months after, uh, six weeks after, he, he, he said, wow, look, 
very, very, very beautiful. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, anything about herb, I don't know what he knows about it, especially the yarrow. Like, I, I would want to, like, you know, maybe you could recommend uh, your patient about this yarrow because this is really helpful. It stopped the bleeding right away. I was so scared about the surgery and even after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It stops the bleeding. It stops the pain. It makes the healing go faster. Yeah. And it's fine with any drugs that you want to take and any anesthesia that you are given. It's not like there's going to be an interaction. No, like uh, even Tylenol said, my gosh, I, I didn't have to take those pain medication and, and anti-inflammatory because I I have this feeling that this uh, linden and um, yarrow would be enough for me. So... I said, okay, so <laughs> now I'm going to have my second surgery, the actual implant. So I said, no, I'm not scared anymore, <laughs> like, you know, after those. Uh, and um, now you don't have to buy the drugs. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I'm probably just the antibiotic because I don't know how my... my exactly. So, yeah. But, yes, so, yeah, yes. I'm good. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah. So appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. It, it was just so very, um, you know, very blessed. I, I know you. Like, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. The plants are so happy to have another person singing their praises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Green blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and our two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. Next call is dialed in from the 262 area code. From the 262, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. I'm excited to talk to you, and I have a question about making a mushroom tincture. Usually in my yard, I get like one mitake, hen of the woods, I know it's one oak tree every year, but this year my sister and I did this abundant cedar smudge and we did all these things in my yard and we think the forest fairies really favored us because I got four of my tackies and two giant puffballs. <laughs> so it's just wonderful. Wow. I know, I know. So I never made a mushroom tincture before and I think I maybe did it wrong and I'll tell you what I did and maybe I can correct it. Um, but I did it like a plant. I poured vodka over the raw miyataki and the raw puffball. I have tons of it. I put them in two half-gallon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, that's what I do, too. Okay. So I don't need to, like, Because you're, you're, using, you're using 100-proof vodka, right? Correct, yes. And 100-proof vodka is half water. Yes. Those other people who are doing, like, a double extraction, who are doing it first in water and then in alcohol? Uh-huh. Are using high proof alcohol. Okay, because everybody's reading so much on the internet. It was like boil it and do this, and then make it sure it's twenty percent alcohol. And I was like, oh no, okay, right, all right, yeah, mm-hmm. no, what you made is better. Okay. Oh, I feel so. And it's, you know, it's one of the things that I'm writing about in this new course that what we're doing is people's medicine. 
Mm-hmm. We're not trying to make something that's like a drug. Yes, right. Your goal is not to make the most potent mushroom tincture ever, right? Mm-hmm, right, right. Your goal is to preserve the maitake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you did that. Mm-hmm. And what I did when I had, you know, the mother load of maitake, in addition to giving as much as I could away, was uh-huh. I made I made vinegar. Oh. Maitake okay. vinegar. I made maitake oxymel. I made maitake tincture. And I cooked and froze a bunch of it. Okay. So I, you know, put it up in all the ways that I had access to, right? Yes, yes. And and still, you know, being fed by it because, as we know, you have a banner year like that. It's going to be a while before you see that again. Oh, yes, and I never can go looking for mushrooms. They just pop up in my, you know, they pop exactly. up. And when I go looking, I can never find a mushroom. So, so yes. <laughs> Yes, I had done the same thing. I had said, it's been a long time since I've seen a maitake. I need maitake. And sure enough, boom, there it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that the word maitake means dances for joy? I know, and I love that. that. Wonderful. It's so true, and it's wonderful, <laughs> yes. It yeah. is. It's, uh, it's always such a delight. We had some maitake mushrooms for dinner on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Both both chickens of the woods, both the orange ones, which are called chicken of the woods, and maitake, which is called him of the woods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I made um, jerky with some of the maitake and the dehydrated. Oh, wow. And it was so, it was delicious. It was so <gasps> delicious. It was wonderful, wonderful. Oh, what a brilliant idea. Wow. Oh, I thought it was like on a Facebook page. I'm this recipe, it was wonderful. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, okay. Be looking for that. Mushroom jerky, yeah. Well, thank you so much, um, and I appreciate, um, you know, people's medicine, and I appreciate um, your validation that I did was okay, Susan. Thank Absolutely you so fine. You too and just fine. <laughs> Green blessings, good night. Green blessings, good night. Right, and there are Two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. Next call is dialed in from the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, Susan. Uh, This is Carol from Tennessee, and I have one good question I'd like to ask you. I'm going to leave the country to work at a clinic, and I was Wondering what would be the three books that you would take with you if you need to split the scene, and then I'll. You're leaving the country to go where? To Tanzania. I don't think I'd take any books with me at all. Well, right, but if you did, I mean. Well, first of all, because. The books that I have access to probably don't have much of anything at all to do with the herbs that I would have access to in Tanzania. And if I wanted to use herbs that were in those books, it would be better for me to take the herbs than the books. So I'd be more likely to take, you know, two quarts of echinacea than a book. 
because yeah. I would be able to use the echinacea. And the information in the book probably wouldn't have anything to do with the plants where I am. All right. I, I, suspect, I suspect that when you're there, there may be books that could tell you about using local plants. I suspect there's people. What are you going to be doing there? Do you want these the books for yourself or for helping others? Oh, no, for helping others. So I, I like, I'm not taking those books. It was just a question. I'm just uh, and and about. and helping others, like in a general clinic kind of way, coughs, colds, uh, bruises, bites, that kind of thing, or in a, a specific way. So I'm working um, as a midwife in a. Uh, they call them dispensaries. Okay. Do you know the book where there is no doctor? Oh, that's the one I was going to say. I'll take, so I, of course, I knew that was a good answer, but yeah. Okay. Where so, there is no doctor. And, where there is no doctor is a book that you can use anywhere, right? It is. It is. And I believe I like that, I believe that what, I think they're Hyperion Press, and I think they have a Where There Is No Midwife, too. And yes, I do. So those are two good choices. I didn't find the where there is no dentist as good as where there is no doctor. Where there is no dentist, it's pretty good. I mean, it's okay. basic enough, so, but uh, all those, that whole series is, is top shelf. I know it used to be that they charged, uh, you know, first world people for the books and then gave them away to third world people. Those are very cool books, for sure. Yeah. I, and the other, uh, the other two I was thinking that maybe you might say was the Greaves Herbals. Well, again, I would I I don't think any of the herbs in there I'm going to find in Tanzania. I, you're true. So, I mean, <laughs> and they're heavy, and they're heavy, and I like to. I don't know about you. I like to travel light. Oh, I'm traveling light for myself, but I am bringing some, <laughs> you know, uh, teaching tools and. Uh, yeah. Eye drops, yeah. Fishing poles. You know, and, and again, tinctures. Yeah, I would definitely would take, you know, hypericum tincture and echinacea tincture and cannabis tincture and, you know, any amounts of tinctures that I thought I could get away with. I would take, I'm remembering my uh, Swiss herbal friend who was working in Africa, I don't know where, and they had some uh, calendula tinctures tincture that they were using, and uh, she's a homeopath as well as an herbalist, and it was getting low, and so she filled it up, filtered water, and protested it, and turned it into ah. a homeopathic remedy without saying anything to anybody, and, and one of the other doctors said to her, oh, I'm glad we got a new supply of calendula, this is even better than the last one. So I, I, thought made, that was, I, just, I thought that was a very interesting thing that she did there, huh? That is very interesting. I, I, I bought some shea butter at a local uh, African shop here in Nashville, and, I'm, and I made uh, like 52 little two-ounce containers I bought at the Dollar Tree. So, for, so it was just the hypericum oil and shea butter, and then I 
put them all into these little individual two-ounce things. I got the Dollar Tree to take over there. Oh, how brilliant. Oh, aren't you wonderful? Oh, that's oh, so glad you thought that's a great idea. That's encouraging. That's a fabulous idea, yes. I have a little rollerball applicator filled with hypericum oil that somebody gave me that I put on my lips. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, great idea. Or like, yeah, just fill a little lip balm. I actually bought like 35 lip balms from the Dollar Tree. Like three for one dollar, so I just scarfed them all up. There you go. <laughs> 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 really fun. I leave in three weeks, and I'll be oh, working yeah. at a women's clinic. And it's it's a whole compound. It's an orphanage, a secondary school, and then a women's clinic where they do you know, wow. immunizations, counseling, and I I bought a whole pelvis and you know all the. You know, you know, one of the things that I, I, again, I haven't been to Africa, but one of the things that I have found when I've gone to some places a little out of my ken um, that that I like that sometimes isn't available to me is honey. Ah, yeah, right. Right? Oh, they told me that to bring my own coffee. Because exactly. the Tanzania grows it, they only have instant. They, exactly. They so bring your own Starbucks. Bring your own, bring your own honey. Really look at what you what you like on a daily basis, and don't assume you can get it there. Right. I figure. I, I figure. Like I'm going to be there three months. So I'm thinking. You know, six pounds of herbs of you know, my infusions. You know. Sounds exactly then, right. Yeah. 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 For myself, and then you know. A bunch of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get two good coffee there. <laughs> I asked yeah. the lady, the president, this morning about it. One of these ladies, Loria, um, Christine Loria, she works with Doctors Without Borders. And she said, bring your own coffee. And so I bought one of those, um, you know, little Instapresses, uh, you know. Yep, 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 there you go. Yep. Yeah. For the campy from REI and uh, and so I'm back to my own Starbucks. I'm like, I'm down. I'm I've got it. Thank you for that because instant will not do it for me. Right. <laughs> She's giving me a lot of clinics. Exactly. Cleaning yeah. clinics and you know just doing all the good work and I need my coffee and I'll grab my couple of bottles of infusions. I'm out of here. There you go. All right. Yeah, you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I, one quick question. Are you related to Anne Fry? Anne Fry was my sister's midwifery partner in Austin and in Connecticut. Uh, okay. I got it. Okay, so I'm not related—not like, related to her, but I know her. Did know her quite well. I haven't been in touch with her for years and years and years. And you know, um, we have a common friend. Her first name is Cynthia, and then she passed away last month. Oh, dear. And I'm oh. sure you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Yes, 
I know. I know she's home. Yeah, she delivered a baby the week before. That's right. And and now she's and now she's home and she's fine. She is fine. She is. I didn't know if you knew, and I didn't quite know how to say it, but that's all. That was. Thank you. Thank you. You said it well. Thanks, Brad. Well, I'll I'll maybe talk to you quick before I leave for Tanzania. All right. Sounds good. And then, of course, we're going to want to hear all about it when you get back. Of course. We'll come over for slides. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give results on my Hypericum Shea Butter combo. Yeah, sounds good. For the Hypericum okay. Conference. Right. Yes, perfect. Uh, right. Have a great evening. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right, and there is one more caller with their hand raised. They're dialed in from the 360 area code. From the 360, you are live with Susan. Hello. Three six zero, are you there? Well, I'm hearing is some background noise, so Yes. Are you there in six zero? All right. Well I do Are you there? Hello? Hello. Oh hi. We are here. Yes, um, good. My, What's my your question tonight? Well, I have my um, significant other, Todd, here, and he's having a very hard time tonight, and he said, can we call Susan? Because, um, and so I know you don't do secondhand, so here, here he is. Thank you. Yeah, my, I, I can't pee very well, and my prostate's enlarged, I believe. Do you have any? Uh, that's so horrible. What a awful place to be in. Parsley is considered a really great helper. And, of course, the great thing about parsley is you can just go to a supermarket and get it. And you get a whole bunch of parsley. And you bring it home and you boil it. And you boil it, you know, put it on simmer and boil it for a while. The water should get, like, green. And then you can sip that. And generally within half an hour of sipping it, you should see some results. Okay. Okay. If, you, if you can get parsley with the root on it, all the better, because the root is even stronger medicine. But even just a bunch of flat parsley or, or curly parsley, just parsley that you get at the supermarket, will help. How long has this been going on? Well, on the 20th, I went in because this happened, and then the urologist put a catheter in me, and they took it out today. And... Uh, then I went back to the doctor because the the same urologist because I wasn't peeing very good earlier and and here I am. It's gonna be a long night. Mm-hmm. Unless I go back to the hospital. You can go to the supermarket. We're gonna go. I yeah. Pack while you talk to her, I'll run up there right now. Okay, you take right. the phone. Go to the supermarket, buy yourself some parsley, right? And see if you can get results from a lot of people have. That doesn't necessarily mean you will, but a lot of people yeah. have, and I, I have a strong feeling that it will. And they said that there was nothing worrisome or problematic about your prostate. Well, I, they were 
more focused on the urethra tube with um, scar tissue in it than the prostate itself. Okay, because you said that you weren't peeing because your prostate was swollen, but it's... Well, I feel like it is, that, that's because they... Right, but there's also some swelling of the urethra itself. And is that yes. because of the catheterization, or was it why they catheterized you? To relieve me from urine. I understand, but now you're saying oh. there's scar tissue, and I'm wanting to know if that scar tissue was preventing you from peeing or if the scar tissue was caused by the catheterization. No, but it was from an old injury when I was a kid. I and understand. so they were thinking that that was the cause of this, but I believe it's That's your more Yeah. I hear you. And All I'm right. 57. Well, the herbs that help relieve prostate swelling, which include saw palmetto berries and nettle seed, are slower acting than dandelion, than um, parsley in terms of um, helping you pee. Okay. So if you think it's your prostate and you want to, you know, take some herbs that can help relieve that swelling, there are definitely herbs that do that, but usually they can take weeks before they're really fully effective. Right. And I talk about those herbs um, at some length in my book down there. Okay. So just get parsley and boil it and drink that. Exactly, for right now. Okay. All righty? Thank you very much. You're welcome. Blessings. Good night. Good night. All right, and I do see that Linda Shea is with us in the queue. Oh, perfect. Let me get myself up here. I did bring the California puppy in. Uh, you know, it was doing. It was actually doing very well outside. I was really surprised at how hardy it was. And I was just, it was a huge pot, and I was just going to leave it out. And then I looked, and all this new growth was coming up from the roots. And I said, all right, all right, you won a place by the hearth fire. <laughs> but, of course, a, a lot of the outer part of the, the mature leaves, you know, pretty, like, yellowed up by the frost. I've been trimming them out while I've been talking and listening to people. Linda Shea is a dolphin ambassador for Joyful Living. She's an author, and she's a pioneer in the field of dolphin energy healing. In addition, she founded Dolphin Heart World, and she's a spiritual mentor. In 1996, a magical encounter with a wild Hawaiian spinner dolphin changed Linda's life forever. Shortly afterwards, this former banker said yes to dolphins' mysterious invitation to be one of their ambassadors on land and to do dolphin energy healing as her career. The unique gift Linda is the custodian of is the Dolphin Attunement Journey, a new spiritual path for humanity created by the Dolphin Consciousness. For 25 years, Linda has been collaborating with the Dolphin Consciousness to help humans heal their hearts, transform their consciousness, and find their joy. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you, Susan. I, it's so exciting for me to be here with you, and I just want to say you are joy personified. 
So um, I feel like, you know, I am, I'm a huge fan. I love all the wisdom that you share, your connection with the herbal realm, the plant kingdom. Thank you for being on earth and for doing what you do with so much joy and authenticity. You are so welcome. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing the same kind of work, (laughs) connecting us to the ocean and to the dolphins. There you were, a banker, and you got all wet. What happened? (laughs) It certainly was not what I grew up as a kid thinking I was going to do when I I grew up. So, yeah, it, it literally came in from left field. Um, yeah, so this is my life. It's, I've been doing this for over 20 years now. It's been amazing. Tell us a little bit about that event. How did you meet up with the dolphin? Were you just taking a swim? Well, I was living in Sedona, Arizona, the desert. And I had had a, one of those big traumatic life events just two years before. And... After that event, I I came to Hawaii to do some healing and some grieving, and I did have a telepathic communication with some dolphins off of a boat. When the dolphins surrounded the boat, everybody ran to the side of the boat, and I wanted to, but I felt this energy pour through my body from my head through my toes, and I was rooted to my spot, and I witnessed myself asking the dolphins, what are you here to teach us? And what I heard back was unity community. So that, and I didn't really know what that meant. You know, it sounds good and it feels good, but I didn't really know what that meant. And two years later, I was absolutely compelled to come to Hawaii, swim with the dolphins. And I'm a land girl. I was a about mountains and wildflowers. That's what really lit me up. So starting to get these messages and signs that I needed to go to Hawaii to swim with the dolphins seemed very, very out of my box. But I followed. I went, and the very first day I was in the water with a pod of about 85 wild Hawaiian spinner dolphins by myself for two hours. And one dolphin swam up to me, went vertical right in front of me. So we were, we were belly to belly, essentially. And I opened my eyes, and his nose, his rostrum was right in my face. It was wow. so unexpected. So unexpected. I started to laugh, and my mask started to flood with water. So just as I was surfacing to clear my mask, the dolphin sonared me. I didn't know at the time it made clicking sounds. And that was spiritual initiation that enabled me to become a transmitter of their healing energy and their consciousness to people on land. So that, that's how it started. It was completely unexpected and so magical. All goosebumps. yeah it was just you know it it was it was bizarre and surreal and exciting and um I didn't know what to make of it but I just kept I just kept saying yes and I kept following and and that was 25 years ago yeah it was in 1996 and now you are seeing some of the results of bringing this message to humanity. 
it's even more than a message, Susan. It's what the Dolphins did when I said yes to their invitation to be their ambassador. That initiated my journey with them that happened in Sedona, in the desert, through spirit and consciousness. They worked with me 24-7, 365 for seven years, changing me, healing me, transforming me. And what I can say about that is because I was, because it was so out of the blue, I went into that journey kind of a blank slate with beginner's mind. I knew nothing about the dolphins except for watching Flipper TV show growing up as a kid. So I didn't come in with any preconceived ideas or notions. And they, 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 yeah, they just transformed me. And I went through periods of resistance. I went through periods of what's happening to me. I, am I going crazy? Because my, my face and my head changed shape. There were physical changes that happened. Um, there were periods of, I went through periods of resistance and thinking I was losing my mind. I should be doing something else. I should be doing something to bring in money. And something would happen. A dolphin, a dolphin message would come onto my screen and it's, it's like, yes, I would say yes again to the dolphins and I got completely lit up. And what I, what I discovered early on was the quality of love that I felt from the dolphins, even in spirit and consciousness, was a quality of love that I felt nowhere else. It lit me up totally and completely inside. And it's, it's illogical, but this like yearning from the depths of my soul was that I would become that quality of love in my human body, that I would be able to radiate quality of love in my daily life to my fellow humans. So that was my driving soul force that kept me going on the journey through the whole seven years. Um, Resistance, surrender, resistance, just surrender until I surrendered and there was no return. And... After the seven years, I woke up one morning after an extended, quote-unquote, flu, which was actually a cleansing of my body from all the way down to the marrow of my bones. Total cleansing of my body. I woke up without any symptoms the first day, and I was brand new. I just knew I was brand new. My fears were gone. Uh, Leading up to that point, I felt something big ahead of me. I felt something way outside my comfort zone, and I was, like, digging my feet into the earth saying, no, 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 keep me small, keep me comfortable. That was all gone. And opportunities started presenting themselves to me to get out into the world to share myself and my work in new ways. And I said yes to all of them without hesitation. And I was like witnessing myself speaking to groups about the dolphins and joy with no inhibition, total freedom, and it was intoxicating. I felt like I had been lifted on a magic carpet and was moved through my life with grace. 
It was just astonishing. After two weeks of witnessing how how 180-degree shift from how I had been responding to the world to how I was now responding to the world, my husband at the time looked at me and said, who are you and what have you done with my wife? <laughs> it was oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was that dramatic. So what we learned... <laughs> I don't know if you heard me talking before about designing as the wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what have you done with my wife? Where is she? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, he, was, he was married to a brand new woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what, what we found out then was that the dolphins did an experiment on me, with me, and it was a success. And through their observations of how I responded to all of the really shifting consciousness that they created, they created a blueprint for other humans to receive this gift that really is a new spiritual path for humanity. And it takes the form of seven spiritual initiations that we call dolphin attunement. So I gather people from around the world on Zoom once a month and we receive these transmissions together. And it has profoundly changed people's lives. It's just been extraordinary to witness. And one never gets tired or bored of that. No, no. Seeing, no, seeing I mean, the light up with joy right. is always fascinating to me. Right. And seeing their relationships heal, seeing them shift into like radical self-love, I call it radical self-love and self-worth, that they really, really, really start standing up for themselves and, and knowing that they're worth everything that, that their heart desires and making the shift from the head to the heart. All of these things that happen are just so, so profound and beautiful to witness. You have several kinds of things that you do. You're an ambassador for Dolphin Joy, and you have the Dolphin Heart Institute. Tell us more about some of these. Yeah, so um, I also do Dolphin Energy Healing. That's really how my work started. What the dolphins taught me to do was simply open myself as a vessel for their healing love and transformative consciousness to come through. They remind us that when we enter into a healing session, there's nothing really wrong or broken. We're already healed and whole inside. So those sessions are more about bringing the wholeness that already resides within us to the foreground so that we can, we can really live from that place. And I train and certify people going through our dolphin attunements in dolphin energy healing. So we have practitioners um, around the world who are certified in, in offering those. And then the, over the course of many years, and two advanced sets of attunements have come through. We have the whale attunement journey now, which is just so amazing. And we have the star attunements, which is the family of stars. So this trifecta 
of dolphin consciousness, whale consciousness, and star consciousness is what comprises the, the, the foundational gifts that we offer that are just so transformative. And it's really, it's thrilling, and it's such a privilege to be able to be the custodian of these gifts. When you say that there are these dolphin attunements and dolphin healing energies, are these things that are complicated or difficult, or is it something that you could actually give us an example of? You know, I'm glad that you asked, Susan, because I love to give an example. I love to give... I love so so. It will be um, more of a dolphin energy healing. The attunement is is a higher level of receiving, and we want people's absolute buy-in for that. I'm very happy to lead us through a little dolphin energy healing transmission. Oh, goody! All right, thank you. Yeah. So I'm inviting us all to close our eyes and to breathe gently and deeply into your body. Maybe even place one or both hands on your heart space. In fact, one hand on your heart space and one hand on the womb space, second chakra. Connecting with our body, connecting with self. And I invite into this field the beautiful spirit dolphins who feel called to play with us today to share their healing gifts with us. Spirit dolphins are swimming around us and through us with such joy, with so much love. They love planet Earth and they love the human family so much. And dolphins themselves, the physical dolphins on earth, live in unity, community with one another, emulate that for us, showing that to us as a possibility for our way to live among one another. And it is that experience and feeling sensation of unity and community that the dolphins want to share with each and every one of us in this experience. So I invite everyone to give these spirit dolphins permission to make adjustments to your frequency that serve your highest good at this and open highest and deepest levels of self to the experience, the vibration, the frequency of unity and community. Relax, we let go, and we allow.
And there's one spirit dolphin that is hovering in front of each of us. In your own way, you can make contact with that spirit dolphin. Open your heart to receive its love. Breathing the dolphin love into you. Feeling your whole being soft. Spirit dolphin is coming in for a hug, heart to heart, body to body. Wrapping its fins around you, and you can wrap your arms around it. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> hug, hug, hug. <laughs> and the spirit dolphin, if you choose, is willing to become of one of your one of your spirit guides. Join your spirit team to continue to bring this love and joy support into your inspiration, your intuition, and daily life. You can ask the spirit often if it has a name and just let the first name that comes to you be the name. So that you have a way to call this dolphin spirit forth. Beautiful. The pod is blessing us all, surrounding us in one final transmission of dolphin love and joy. We are complete. Thank you, dolphins. Thank you, dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) They just make us giggle. (laughs) Don't they, though? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm sure that you've read this as well. Uh, uh, Someone talking about the difference in evolutionary pressure when you live on land where resources are scarce and where you live in water where resources are always abundant and have to be shared. Right, right. I mean, one of the things that was really hard at times during COVID was getting people to understand that I was sharing air with them. Right, right. They seemed to think that somehow we weren't sharing. Right, I know. It was so silly. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, no, actually, that, this air that we're, like, in, like, what you're, what's in your body, it's coming into my body, too. Yeah. And not yeah. just, like, some of that over there and some of that over here. No, we're actually, like, breathing in the same molecules. But there's no escaping it when you live in the ocean. That's right. That's right. You, you know that if you're not community, it's not going to work. Right. Exactly. 
And dolphins breathe air. They come to the surface and they exhale right. through their blowhole and they breathe in. So they're breathing the same air that we are as well. Right, which is why we can, at that level. Right, why we can come into the ocean with them because they, like with the plants, we can breathe with them. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wasn't trying to imply that they breathe water, but that they live in water. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, yeah. Right, it's, it's not like, it's not like we've found that anybody does like territorial marking in the water. Right. Right? Right. So it's not even like right. pea zones or anything like that, like, like on land, right? Yes, that's true. Right? That's true. Like on land, the yeah. wolves go around, they pee around their territory. The dolphins <laughs> don't do that because it's not going to be there when they get back. Exactly. <laughs> so, it's like learning to live in no, the tropics, right? You live, you live in the tropics, you soon learn that if you put something down, if you're not actually holding it, it's considered fair game. Okay. okay. Right, that's kind of the rule in the tropics. Like, you're not using yeah. it, it's fine. Right, right. right. And you the know, diversity like, being, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, before COVID, I was at the uh, gym with a vet and we're home and she says, oh gosh, I left my iPhone. And she went back the next day and her iPhone was still sitting in the holder on the bike she'd used. Okay, wow. Right, see, that's wow. like <laughs> non-tropical. Wow. Wow. Non-tropical. You don't mess with other wow. people's stuff. That's right. Or there's right. much greater boundaries. And the, the wetter and the warmer it gets, the less and less of those boundaries. And I really hear you about how difficult it was for you, especially trained to be a banker, where the boundary is everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I went through you a period of... boundaries as a banker. <laughs> Conditional point and on beyond, you know. <laughs> yep, it's pretty pretty radical of a life shift, that's for sure. Wow, wow. <laughs> well, tell everybody where they can go to get more of the wonderful dolphin energy healing and dolphin heart worlds and dolphin attunements and dolphin consciousness that you are doing. Great. So we actually just created our new website finally after all these years. Yay. The new website is, I know, it's such a big project and accomplishment. And this is my 20-year, um, November is my 20-year anniversary from the equivalent of my final dolphin attunement. So this is a really big, big, big period of time, and we're entering into a new phase of growth. So I was so excited to receive your invitation. The, um, the website is dolphinheart.world, not .com, .world, dolphinheart.world. .world, okay. And everything is on there. There's a beautiful free gift that's a short guided meditation that I lead, um, Calling Forth Your Inner Dolphin, which is a completely different experience than what we did just now. It's really, really amazing and fun. And the other thing I want to highlight is I have written a book about my seven-year journey with the dolphins called Dolphin Love from Sea to Land. And when people read my book, they, my intention was that they go on their own journey with the dolphins and receive their own healings and transmissions of, of uh, 
of energy and transformation, and that absolutely happens for people. So you can find links to all of that um, on our new website. Oh, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just go there and all paths lead to dolphins. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So Dana did used to be an ocean. Yes, it did a couple times in Earth's history. So I think that's why I was able to, that's why I felt at home there. Yeah. And it was easy for the dolphins to guide me on that journey there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't ocean like gazillions of years ago. Right, right. Right, like geologically it was recently. Like in human lifespans is like, oh, forever ago. But geologically it was like pretty recent. So, exactly, yes. You can yeah. find sand and seashells there. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have come, unfortunately, to the end of our time together. We could go on talking yeah. for a long time. But it's a blog talk show, and they really slam the door on us. So what, door. Do to, what do you want to leave the listeners thinking about? What do you want to leave well, in, their, in their minds? Yeah, the very first teaching I received from the dolphins is very simple. Love heals, joy transforms. And a very simple way to, to play with that is in, with your breathing. Breathe in to love heals and breathe out to joy transforms. And do that for, you know, several rounds of conscious deep breathing and notice how your energy shifts. Notice how your energy lightens and your mood lightens and lifts. So that, I think, is, is the, the very simple, simple and sweet ah. teaching from the dolphin that I want to share with everybody. Love ah. heals, joy transforms. Joy, it's a choice. Yeah, absolutely. And it's available to us all the time, everywhere. It is always available to us, even, or maybe we want to say, especially when we don't think it is. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's just remembering to choose it remembering always to choose it. Thank you so much for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and to bring to this weaving and this healing cloak these beautiful attunements and resonances from the joy and the love of the dolphins. Mm -hmm. I so appreciate you and all that you're doing. And Sarah Ellen... You're welcome. Sarah Ellen, thank you for helping me to restore herbal medicine to people's medicine. I'm uh, revising that project that I have for sharing people's medicine, the new correspondence course. And uh, I was uh, saying to Yvette, I said, you know, I think I might even like the editing better than I like the writing. It's just so wonderful to jump into what I've written and make it, you know, better and clearer and juicier. So I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, working with Justine tomorrow. We're going to get some illustrations going, and probably uh, before Thanksgiving we will have this course ready for you. Green blessings, everybody, and good night. Till next week.